if you don't get what you, you think you deserve at your company, you ask for a raise and you're not getting it, I say don't stay there. Like go to the next company because someone is going to value you more there, to be honest. So that's what I've experienced. Like it's hard to negotiate, right? I think as Latinx, we also have a harder time doing that because I feel like, I don't know if it's, we just more modest, we don't want to cause trouble. You know, I think we just, it's a different culture, right? So we're very, I'm talking about myself, but you know, I'm kind of like, oh, a little careful. And, but I've learned that it doesn't get me anywhere. So, so ask for what you want. And if you don't get it, move on to the next company because honestly, the companies, they come and go. They're not, you know, no one really cares. They, I mean, they let you go if they have to. But focus on the people. Like if you like the people at a company, yeah, you can stay there a little longer. But if you're not getting what you need, move on. Welcome to Latinx in Power, a podcast hosted by Thaisa Fernandes. Welcome to Latinx in Power. Today we are talking with Maria Gianotti. Maria Gianotti is a trilingual leader with a tricultural background. She pursued her higher education in integrated marketing communications for Golden Gate University in San Francisco and graduated <laughs> from Hawaii Pacific University with a bachelor degree in business administration with a specialization in corporate communications. Whoa, this is incredible. Maria began her marketing career in San Francisco and has established herself as a highly successful professional in the field. She currently holds the esteemed position of Head of Revenue Marketing at WeVideo. Exciting! Well, thank you so much for the great introduction, Taisa. And to you listeners, thank you for joining today. I am so excited to be here to share my story. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We are very excited with this conversation. So in this episode, we'll talk more about Maria's inspiring journey in the marketing industry, discussing her success and challenges along the way. We'll explore her unwavering passion for providing mentorship and coaching to fellow marketers for her accession volunteer work. And her commitment to giving back and empowering others is truly remarkable and sets an excellent example for aspiring marketers. Very exciting conversation, Maria. And what does it mean to be a Latina for you? Well, being a Latina means that I have a natural drive, I think, to give it my all, to keep learning and find opportunities for myself to grow. Well, at the same time, having the urge to give back, uh, not only to Latinas, but also Latinos, I guess Latinx, right? So they also can get ahead with their communities. I have always enjoyed mentoring others, and I was looking to feel more connected to the Latino community in the Bay Area. I could probably count on my hand the number of Latinos in the companies that I work for. I've mostly been in tech, and considering I moved to the Bay Area not knowing anyone, I just didn't have a Latino network here. So that prompted me to join the board of directors at a Latino nonprofit organization called Association of Latino Professionals for America. It's Alpha. And through that organization, I was able to work my way up to the president of the San Francisco chapter. Uh, this is back in 2015. And this is truly where I got the opportunity to mentor Latinx in the community, which I very much enjoyed. I believe that drive to seek growth really originates from my mom, who was a single mother who immigrated from Chile to Norway. So I actually grew up in Norway. So she could provide better opportunities for me, right, for her daughter. This meant that she had to learn a new language. She had to hold several jobs. She was working 16 hours a day, where she worked full-time at a hospital and part-time as a house cleaner, uh, really to make ends meet and provide with, you know, me with the best future possible, which really made me the strong Latina I consider myself today. Ultimately, her passing on that strength to me has taught me as a Latina to never stop seeking new opportunities even if that sometimes means that you have to start from scratch and build your way up the career ladder. So that's what it means to me. 
Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I love your mindset of first being in the Bay Area and seeing the lack of representation in terms of Latinx and then like, okay, I'm going to join a board of a Latinx <laughs> community. So I love that. I love that. This is very powerful. Yeah, I had to find uh, the community somewhere, right? All these people somewhere. So I really went out my way to find, okay, which organizations can I join that would, you know, provide me with that opportunity. So that's what I did. Incredible. I'm very inspired already. And can you tell us about your background and how you got started in the marketing field? Yeah, so I think I knew pretty early on during the last year of high school, actually, that I really enjoy interacting with people. So by that time, I had several jobs that led me to that belief. I was a cashier at a grocery store. I had worked in retail. I had been a server at dinner parties. And I wanted to continue the social aspect of that, but on a larger scale, right? So I think I got that adventurous side from my mom as well. So I took my first year of bachelor in corporate communications in Barcelona in Spain, because by then I really thought I wanted to be in public relations. So I could act as a company spokesperson and get to travel the world and such. Then after that one year in Spain, I thought, why not become even more international and continue my education in the U.S.? So that's prompted me to move here. And I achieved my bachelor's in business administration with an emphasis in corporate communications from Hawaii Pacific University. So that was, you know, public relations specific. But what changed a bit of that path was that during my last semester in college, I did a PR internship and I hated it. <laughs> it was definitely not as glamorous as I had thought. So that opened up my mindset to explore marketing instead, because it's still considered, you know, a somewhat social and collaborative type of function. So it kind of aligned with what I, I was really looking for. So I decided to move to San Francisco, to the Bay Area, to have more job opportunities at that time. I was on an OPT visa, which stands for op Optional Practical Training, where I could work in the U.S. for a year. So I couldn't be super picky about jobs, right? So for me, practically any marketing job was on the table. So I ended up working for an accounting firm as a marketing coordinator at that time when I moved to the Bay Area. The firm wasn't able to sponsor me for an H-1B visa, which uh, led me to take a master's degree in integrated marketing communications at Golden State University. University, so I could stay in the U.S. Uh, basically as a student. And then after that, I completed that degree, I got the opportunity to get another OPT visa right after that degree. And that's where I landed working as a sales and marketing assistant for a financial firm, which then led me to get more exposure working with sales teams. And that has really built the path for a career in revenue marketing, which is essentially driving revenue for a business through marketing initiatives, through sales and marketing alignment and collaboration. That's really what it is all about. So long story short, your career doesn't always have to turn out as you had initial plan or it doesn't always turn out as you initially planned. And that's okay. Like, I think you learn what you excel at with the more experience you gain. And I wasn't picky about my first job because I was on that specific visa. You know, I couldn't. So I took whatever I could get that I could learn from. I think it's just perhaps a different mindset that millennials have today where you're maybe a bit more selective because you want your first job to be amazing. And that's unfortunately not always reality, right? So I think, um, I don't know, back in the days when I was really young and did that, I just took the job you know, I can get and... I've learned so much along the way and I, I wouldn't be without that experience, to be honest. So I think it was just, yeah, the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's very inspiring. I can definitely relate to that, like doing different things through the course of our careers. And in the end, you realizing that things make sense, that you can use actually a lot of skills that you learned in a lot of like phases of your life to what you're doing now, although yeah. they might not look 
related at all. But in fact, I guess all the learnings that we have, we quite mm -hmm. often use and do that because we don't forget things, right? So this is very inspiring. Yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. And, you know, if you're driven, I think you you learn along, along the way. That's really the most important thing that's always been the thing I always keep in mind. Like, I'm learning from this experience. And, you know, if it didn't go well or if I didn't like that job, there's always the next job. And, you know, you move on from that. So... Yeah, and also the challenge on being on a visa, have this expiration date and figure out yeah. what is next. So it's definitely a huge challenge. And I think a lot of maybe Latinas are, you know, have or Latinx have somewhat of that experience where you are on visa. So, you know, you don't have the work visa available to you. And I think you do what you have to do. And there are always, hopefully always opportunities that come along the way that will help you to that path that you actually want to be on, you know, but it's not always a linear path. Yeah, absolutely. And what's your superpower? That's a really great question. So actually, I believe my superpower is positivity. I think as any Latina or woman for that matter, I think we've had our share of challenges when it comes to not being assertive enough, not speaking up when we should in fear of our ideas, not being good ideas or being too nice, which I often get. And it doesn't really help me when trying to move up the career ladder. All I can do is remain positive, even when I feel frustrated or have feelings of self-doubt. I try to learn from, like I said, any experience so I can grow and continue to be a better person, a better professional and better mom. I never say no to an opportunity, even though I had the imposter syndrome many times. I mean, I think we all have that at certain times. Really thought there was like no way I could pull something off. And one example of that is when I recently was asked to become a UC Berkeley instructor for a six-week marketing executive course. Uh, this was last year for uh, CMOs of leading corporations in Ireland. I just thought that was way over my head. I'm like, what can I possibly teach these marketers that have way more work experience than I have? And you know what? Like, it was so much fun doing the course. And I'm so glad I accepted. Now I'm like, you know, it was very challenging. I was like, almost going to say no, but I'm like, no, I'm just going to say yes and see how it goes. So moral of the story, I do believe having a positive outlook on life can get you really far and achieve things you never thought were possible. So I think for me, my superpower is honestly being positive because it's opened up so many doors and it keeps opening doors for me. And I wouldn't be without that, honestly. So being positive. Incredible. And congratulations being an instructor at UC Berkeley. It's incredible. It's an incredible achievement. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I never thought I was going to be an instructor ever in my life, you know. So yeah, it's one of those things that come up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so out of my league and out of my comfort zone. But I feel like being comfortable for me is the enemy. <laughs> so if I'm too comfortable, that's never a good sign. So let me be a little uncomfortable and let me see how far I can push myself. Mm -hmm. that's, like, that's what I try to do at all times. So Amazing, yeah. amazing. And what are some of the biggest challenges you face in your role as Red of Revenue Marketing? Yeah, that's also a great question. I believe the biggest challenge that I face in my role is really creating cross-functional alignment and understanding. Because I work very closely with sales, they're always pressured with sales quotas they have to meet. Uh, there tends to be a, a lot of finger pointing towards marketing when, when our company is not meeting our revenue numbers. Hence a typical saying that I'm, I'm sure every marketing has heard throughout their careers is uh, marketing is not bringing us any leads, right? The typical thing we hear. So at that point, it doesn't always help that you're doing the responsibilities of your job and meeting deliverables, such as driving leads. 
But at that point, it becomes all about communication and transparency, which can be very challenging when teams don't have a good understanding of all the work that goes behind the scenes to, let's say, launch a marketing campaign, right? That's like just one example. So I really learned that a data-driven approach where we can hold each other accountable for business results is key to drive alignment and understanding. So my manager, our company's CMO, would actually really love this answer because he's always telling me that to drive action and change, you need to lead with data. Numbers don't lie, right? So if you want to hold sales accountable for action, for example, reaching out to prospects in support of a marketing campaign to have it successful, then you show them where the lack of work is happening and you can show that through numbers, right? So there are several MarkTech platforms that can empower you with those insights, such as, of course, marketing automation, like a HubSpot or Marketo, or product analytics, like a mixed panel or Amplitude. There are also like several sales enablement platforms like group outreach and that can show you email stats sort of how much they're reaching out to their prospects. So those insights could lead to transparency, which ultimately helps keep each other accountable. And I think the second challenge I face is also how to do more with less, right? So in today's economy, we have less headcount, we have less marketing budget, and you're expected to perform the same as before. Those are not factors that you should even consider you doing less with. That quickly leads to burnout. So in my role, I have to think of creative ways to achieve more with less, which has led me to explore something like AI tools. I don't know if you heard about ChatGPT through OpenAI, but I'm looking into those things to create more marketing messaging that can be used in campaigns and social media initiatives. So definitely lots of opportunities within AI that I foresee using this year. And I think those two things, I mean, main things are yeah, my biggest challenges, just that sales <laughs> and marketing alignment and just doing more with less is definitely not easy. Incredible. You brought very interesting things. And the first thing that I think is very important to a lot of different scenarios as well is getting used to bring data, numbers, impact to the conversations we're having. So this is huge. And I think it can apply to different areas. For example, sometimes people message me and say, oh, I want to be promoted. How do I get the promotion? And the first thing that I said, start to quantify your impact, what you're bringing to the table, put some numbers yeah. on it. And they were like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I never did that. I was like, start doing this. Start talking about numbers and your impact. And I think another thing, we are all talking about AI now and yeah. I have some mixed emotions. I know, so we like, all do. I still do, by the way, even though I'm kind of, you know, leveraging these tools, I still do. And it's very strange, but it is kind of the future. And I'm like, okay, so if I don't do this now, I'm going to be so far behind that, you know, it's almost like, let me get a head start and see how I can actually use this. And it is a little scary. Yeah, to be honest, I agree with you. Yeah, but yeah. you brought a really good point and it's kind of the way I'm seeing that because I'm seeing some people talking. I have a friend, she's a graphic designer. She's like, oh, my work is not going to exist anymore. And to me, it's more no. like yeah. our no. jobs are going to change. And maybe a lot of things we do now can be automated. You know, yeah. like taking meeting notes. Who likes to take meeting notes? It's just, you know. Yeah, exactly, right? It's just going to scale whatever mm -hmm. you're doing. It doesn't mean that you're not going to do that with people because you need still people to manage these tools, right? You still need, yeah. you still need that manpower. So it's just, I think it's just more the scalable part that you can scale a little faster and you know do more things maybe with less that's really where it, I think AI is really powerful 
Exactly. I totally agree with you. And to be honest, I'm very excited to what's coming next. I can't wait because I think everything is going to change and a lot of things are going to improve, actually. And I think this is a good moment for us to maybe feel uncomfortable and like start testing those yeah. tools and start like yeah. seeing the possibilities and working in AI or using AI tools so we can get ahead. So especially for Latinx, because we are underrepresented in tech. So yeah. I think this is a good mm -hmm. opportunity for us. Totally. Yep. So another thing that I wanted to talk with you, I know a lot of folks from Latin America who want to work in marketing or work in the marketing field in their uh, home country. So what advice would you give to aspiring marketers who hope one day to achieve a role similar to yours? Yeah. So my advice is really to get involved with organizations that advocate for what you're passionate about specifically. I say that because volunteering for professional organizations is really what has led me to have a successful career in revenue marketing. There's a story behind that, right? So my interest in demand generation, which is really the basis of revenue marketing, I gained when I was volunteering for the San Francisco chapter of the American Marketing Association, like back in the days. It happened when I helped at an event where we had a speaker that was talking about marketing automation. So this was obviously, like I said, back in the days when they, this was a fairly new marketing concept and it sounded very interesting to me. And that led me to do a lot of research about this topic and it ultimately triggered me to advocate investing in marketing automation at my current company at that time, right? So I convinced the company CEO that this would help sales and marketing initiatives. And I was able to get hands-on experience with the platform. And with that experience, that opened up the doors for me to bring my knowledge to the next company and so on. So it kind of like, it actually all started from just me volunteering with this organization that anyone can do. And you can volunteer for so many organizations out there. And I just learning from others. It actually kind of guided me to the path that I'm today. Basically, so yeah, had I not become involved with the AMA, I don't know if I would have chosen this career path, right? So I almost attribute my involvement with the organization with the fact that I've been able to learn so much about marketing from people that are investing into the community by either mentoring or coaching others. And I've continued the same path because I really see the value of building your network by giving back to others. Mm -hmm. And honestly, my advice here is like, you should not join a professional organization if your only goal is to get ahead. But when you decide to give back to your community from those connections you get you know, through the, that community, you will gain either the knowledge or support in return, which is extremely valuable. Like my volunteer connections have helped me with work references. They have introduced me to other people. They have lent me interviews. It's been incredibly powerful. So honestly, my advice to you, if you cannot get the job that you want through just applying to jobs and you know that's being difficult for you, just get involved with organizations because there's always people that are willing to help because they have the same mindset as you they just want to help others you know so that's honestly my career even that's my biggest advice just get involved with something that's a little bit outside of your career or job or you know job function just get involved with an organization there's so many out there that need help and so many great organizations out there that you could join mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great reminder. I think people in general underestimate the value of volunteering in terms of the connections you make, the amount yeah. you learn and the opportunities that you unlock. I remember I volunteered for a lot of time in a nonprofit here and the director of this nonprofit was my first reference when I got my full-time job. Yeah, and exactly. we still talk today and I follow mm -hmm. her career and we help each other. And that's incredible. So that's a good reminder. Yeah. for all of us. 
Yeah. Same with me. I think I seek these uh, volunteer organizations. And after that, like the, my first job after that was actually a referral from someone in the organization. So it's it's just so powerful. I think people underestimate it. They don't even know. So I think join something outside of your day-to-day work and you will get so meaningful and you can build connections and your network. I mean, it's, I don't know about you, but it's really difficult to find friends <laughs> this late in your life that are not your childhood friends. You know, at work, yes, you have work friends, but you might not hang out with them, you know, outside of work. But my best friends today, like in the Bay Area, are people that I've actually volunteer with at organizations is the craziest thing to say, but they're my best friends now. So not only for your career, but actually for your personal growth, it's so great to be part of something that where you can actually get all these friendships that not only help you, but also like help you day to day and just bring joy to your life, you know? So... Yeah, absolutely. Especially for us who moved to a new country that yes. needs to build our lives from scratch, meaning yes. like getting to know everything, how things work and making friends. It's definitely a very, very important part of our lives and something that we definitely mm-hmm. should prioritize as well. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think this is a, a great reminder. What do you consider to be your biggest achievement in your career thus far? And what did you learn from it? This is a tough question. Like, I don't think there's one thing I can point as my biggest achievement, because I feel like there are so many things that have contributed to my professional growth. And I think there are so much more things I want to achieve that I don't know if what I've achieved now is my biggest achievement yet, you know. I think, honestly, for me, again, going back to the whole volunteering, leading professional organizations was has really been one of them, like one of my biggest achievements because it's, I've learned so much through that. But besides that, I've learned throughout my career that it's not about the work you do or the company you work for because it's, it's usually like the same challenges you have to put up with, right? At least in my profession, it's like I always see the same kind of things throughout the companies I work for. So what it comes down to for me is really the people that you work with, right? And the connections you build along the way. So those are the ones that get you far. And those are the ones that get you mentors and sponsors that, again, will help you to get the next job. So for me, like being 14 plus years along in my career and having worked for various companies, this is really what has happened. Like I really value their personal connections and I keep in touch with people that I worked with 14 years ago still, you know, like some people like I still keep in touch with and I feel like are my biggest achievements at work because I built all these wonderful connections. But another, well, I guess I have to tell you a secret. I try not to stay more than two, three years at the same company because I've learned moving companies is really the only way I can fast track and negotiate a better title and salary. Especially as a Latinx woman, it's definitely a challenge. So I think for me, I have been able to move companies pretty often. And in tech, it's, you know, it's pretty normal in a way to do that. I've just uh, been able to get ahead in my career, I think, uh, in a faster way that I would have if I stayed with the same company for many, many years. So for me, biggest achievements is honestly just keep moving, keep moving fast, you know, like pick up a lot of learnings along the way to my, all these companies I work for, which leads me to the, you know, the next company and bigger achievements and more things like more responsibilities. Yeah, that's what I would say. So it's, there's no like perfect answer here, but because I just had so many, but I think honestly, focus on the connections that you built at work. It's all about the people. So if you're not happy with the people that you work with, don't stay at that job. It's not worth it. So that would be my recommendation. I love it. I really like what you said about the connections you make in a work environment. And I feel that still getting in touch with them and having these friendships means a lot in terms of your work at tech. 
You know, like people stay work with you for a long period of time. They left, maybe you left a job and then they continue wanting to work with you. That means a lot. That is yeah. a huge achievement. And that's awesome. And also being very strategic about your career. I like what you said about like wanting to move fast and grow. I think it's something that for us, a lot in access, maybe it's not natural to think about that. I think we have yeah. this sense that, oh, they're going to notice me. I'm going to stick to this, whatever I'm doing, because I'm not going to ask for a raise or a promotion because they are going to notice me and yeah. give what I need. But in fact, we need to ask for what we need because if we don't yes. say, people will never know. So I like what you said about like being strategic and moving fast. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, if you don't get what you, you think you deserve at your company, you ask for a raise and you're not getting it, I say don't stay there. Like go to the next company because someone's going to value you more there, to be honest. So that's what I've experienced. Like it's hard to negotiate, right? I think as Latinx, we also have a harder time doing that because I feel like, I don't know if it's, we're just more modest, we don't want to cause trouble. You know, I think we're just, it's a different culture, right? So we're very, I'm talking about myself, but you know, I'm kind of like, oh, a little careful. And, but I've learned that it doesn't get me anywhere. So so ask for what you want. And if you don't get it, move on to the next company. Because honestly, the companies, they come and go. They're not, you know, no one really cares. They, I mean, they let you go if they have to. But focus on the people. Like if you like the people at company, yeah, you can stay there a little longer. But if you're not getting what you need, move on. Because you'll mm -hmm. still meet good people. And hopefully you'll still have those opportunities. And you'll get ahead way faster. That's very interesting. And in this podcast, we are all about sharing, sharing stories, sharing insights, advice. And I would like to ask you, which resource helped you in your journey? Oh my gosh, there's so many, right? Like I said, like volunteering. I mean, just learning from all these events I've been going to, networking. There's a lot of great speakers. So of course, that's one area. But if I think about books, I don't have a lot of time to read books nowadays. Like I have two young children at home that keep me very busy. <laughs> but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. So if you're not able to go to events and hear speakers in person, I really recommend podcasts. I listen to, of course, I within my area of expertise, but I can mention some of them in case you are interested in revenue marketing or dimension marketing. So I listen to B2B Growth, which is a podcast that talks a lot of different like growth techniques, the latest within marketing technology platforms. It also shares best practices from other growth marketers and what they're doing at their company. So it's, it's super interesting stuff. And they have like guest speakers. I don't know if it's every week or every, not every day, but it's probably like one, yeah, once a week or so. And then there's Demand Gen Radio. For that one, I love the interviews with other marketers at different companies. And the cool thing there is that they don't only focus on B2B, but also B2C. So if you're, you know, you don't only have to be in B2B, you can also be B2C and get a a lot of these uh, podcasts. There's another one that's called the Revenue Marketing Report. Anything you want to learn about revenue marketing, but it's also, you know, focused around demand gen as well. And then there is uh, one that's called Revenue Talks with Justin Keller. He is the VP of Revenue Marketing at Drift, which is, I don't know if you heard about Drift, but it's a conversational marketing platform. It's fun because they're very like uh, fast forward marketers and they do a lot of cool things. So I, I like listening to the podcast because it's kind of like what is in, coming up in the future, what are the marketing is doing, they share their journeys, other companies and the things they're trying and testing and super interesting. So I really like that podcast. So for me, it's honestly podcasts, but hey, there's so many podcasts, like just check your Spotify. Apple, of course, has podcasts. If you have a busy lifestyle like me, and I'm sure you all do, podcast is the way to go. I love your tips. So we are going to link to the description of this episode. 
everything you just said, all those podcasts. Oh, great. For folks people... listening, we are going to learn a lot about revenue marketing, which is very exciting. And Maria, I want to thank you for your time. I learned a lot. I love your story. I love how strategic your mindset. This is very inspiring. So I'm going to leave the last minutes for you to share anything you want to share and also where people can find you. Yeah. So you've probably heard throughout this podcast or sorry, yeah, the podcast. I love meeting people. I love networking. I'm a very, very social person. So I would love to connect with or anyone that wants to connect with me, please do so. I can be found on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. Uh, just type my name, Maria Janati. I think you'll find me pretty easily. And yeah, feel free to just add me a note and you know that you listen to the podcast and I'm more than happy to connect. And if you need any like, advice or any, you know, how to start this type of career, what are the tools you need? What are the things you need to learn? learn or maybe even if you're a student like what kind of classes do I need to take to become a revenue marketer I will be more than happy to help you to give you some advice there so feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn I will be happy to hear from you